NemosNewsNetwork.com. Breaking the cycle of fake news. So, of course, diving right in, President Trump signed an executive order today in regard to social media censorship. Now, I don't really need to say much about it because I'm going to let him speak for himself. Here we go. Thank you very much. We're here today to defend free speech from one of the gravest dangers it has faced in American history, frankly. And you know what's going on as well as anybody. It's not good. A small handful of powerful social media monopolies controls a vast portion of all public and private communications in the United States. And we know what they are. We don't have to name them. Uh, we're going to give you a complete uh, listing. We're going to give you a uh, signed copy of what I'm going to be signing in a couple of minutes, and you'll see exactly what we're doing. Uh, they've had unchecked power to censor, restrict, edit, shape, hide, alter virtually any form of communication between private citizens or large public audiences. There's no precedent in American history for so small a number of corporations to control so large a sphere of human interaction. And that includes individual people controlling vast amounts of territory. And we can't allow that to happen, especially when they go about doing what they're doing because they're doing things incorrectly. They have points of view. And if we go by that, it's actually amazing that there was a success in 2016, but we can't let this continue to happen. It's very, very unfair. And you look at the statistics and you look at what is uh, going on, and I think everybody would very much agree with that, uh, including Democrats, by the way. I saw quite a few Democrats are saying this is about time something is done. So let's see if they keep that decision after they hear that we agree with them. The choices that Twitter makes when it chooses to suppress, edit, blacklist, shadow, ban, are editorial decisions, pure and simple. They're editorial decisions. In those moments, Twitter ceases to be a neutral public platform, and they become an editor with a viewpoint. And I think we can say that about others also, whether you're looking at Google, whether you're looking at Facebook, and perhaps others. One egregious example is when they try to silence views that they disagree with by selectively applying a fact check, fact check, F-A-C-T, fact check. What they choose to fact check and what they choose to ignore or even promote is nothing more than a political activism group or political activism. And it's inappropriate. You look at what's happened. You look at where they're going, where they're coming from. I think you all see it yourselves. This censorship and bias is a threat to freedom itself. Imagine if your phone company silenced or edited your conversation. Social media companies have vastly more power and more reach than any phone company in the United States, more reach actually than uh, your newspapers, by far, more reach than a lot of your traditional forms of uh, communication. Therefore, today I'm signing an executive order to protect and uphold the free speech and rights of the American people. Currently, social media giants like Twitter receive an unprecedented liability shield based on the theory that they're a neutral platform, which they are not, not an editor with a viewpoint. My executive order calls for new regulations under Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act to make it that social media companies that engage in censoring or any political conduct will not be able to keep their liability shield. That's a big deal. They have a shield. They can do what they want. They have a shield. They're not going to have that shield. My executive order further instructs the Federal Trade Commission, FTC, to prohibit social media companies from engaging in any deceptive acts or practices affecting commerce. This authority resides in Section 5 of the Federal Trade Commission Act. I think you know it pretty well. Most of you know it very well. I would think you know it quite well, right? Additionally, I'm directing the Attorney General to work cooperatively with the states. He's going to be working very much and very closely in cooperation with the states to enforce their own laws against such deceptive business practices. The states have broad and powerful authority to regulate in this arena, and they'll be doing it also, and we encourage them to do it if they see exactly as we've been seeing. It's uh, what they're doing is tantamount to monopoly, you can say. It's tantamount to uh, taking over the airwaves.
can't let it happen. Otherwise, we're not going to have a democracy. We're not going to have anything to do with a republic. Finally, I'm directing my administration to develop policies and procedures to ensure taxpayer dollars are not going in any social media company that repress free speech. The government spends billions of dollars on giving them money. They're rich enough, so we're going to be doing none of it or very little of it. As President, I'll not allow the American people to be bullied by these giant corporations. Many people have wanted this to be done by presidents uh, for a long time. And now we're doing it, and I'm sure they'll be doing a lawsuit. And I'm also sure that we're going to be going for legislation in addition to this. And the legislation will start immediately. And I tell you, I've been called by Democrats that want to do this. And so I think you could possibly have a bipartisan situation. But uh, we're fed up with it, and it's unfair, and it's been very unfair. And we'll see what happens. Any questions? Well, you know, if uh, you weren't fake, I would not uh, even think about. It. I would do that in a heartbeat. Well, I'm real, but the, sir. the news, uh, the news is fake. The, uh, if you look at what it gets printed in newspapers, if only the public could understand where you know they're reading a story and they think it's real and it's not real in so many cases. And I'm not saying in every case. You have some great journalists. You have some journalists that I have great respect for. But uh, largely, I find, at least in a political sense, uh, there's so much fake news, it's disgraceful. I would do that in a heartbeat if I had fair — if we had a fair press in this country, I would do that in a heartbeat. There's nothing I'd rather do than get rid of my whole Twitter account. But I'm able to get to, I guess, 186 million people when you add up all the different accounts. and. Uh, Add Facebook and Instagram. It's a lot of people, and that's more than uh, the media companies have, frankly, by a lot. And so, if I get a story that's wrong, I can put a uh, social media. I, I don't usually use the word Twitter. I use I say social media, but I put something out, and uh, the next day or the next hour or the next minute, everybody's reading about it. So I'm able to refute fake news, and that's very important. I'd like to ask the Attorney General, please, to say a couple of words and. He's very strongly behind it, uh, backing it very powerfully. And again, we're going to be doing this. We're also going through Congress. Please. Well, as you mentioned, Mr. President, uh, one of the things that I found has the broadest bipartisan support these days is the feeling that this provision, Section 230, has been stretched way beyond its original intention. And people feel that on both sides of the aisle. This was adopted 25 years ago to protect the fledgling industry. And its purpose was to allow websites that were serving as essentially bulletin boards for diverse third-party uh, content coming on uh, to say that you're not responsible for the content of that third-party information. And it also tried to encourage uh, these companies to take down things like child pornography or human trafficking advertising and things by saying if you act uh, to, to remove this kind of objectionable material, you won't, you won't be liable for taking it down. Now it's been completely stretched to allow what have become really uh, behemoths who control a lot of the flow of information in our society uh, to engage in censorship of that information. Uh, and to act as uh, editors and, and publishers uh, of the material. So when they put on their own content, like fact-check uh, uh, content onto other people's content, and when they curate their collection, and when they start uh, censoring uh, particular content, including in, in many cases at the direction of foreign governments like Communist China, they become publishers. Uh, and they shouldn't be entitled to the same kind of shield that was set up uh, earlier. Uh, now, this executive order is, is, is a very strong step toward addressing this problem. It sets up a rulemaking procedure uh, that will eventually be under the FCC uh, to, to try to get back to the original interpretation and understanding of Section 230. Uh, it also uh, empowers uh, the Attorney General to work with state attorneys general uh, to come up with model legislation that addresses this at the state level. And we're preparing federal legislation, uh, which we, we will uh, be sending over shortly uh, for review at uh, the Office of uh, Management and Budget. Uh, so this is an important step. 
uh, to get back to the original uh, understanding. You know, there's a bit of a bait and switch that's occurred in our society. These companies grew because they held themselves out as public forums, as free public forums where a variety of voices and diverse voices could come on and be heard. That's how they grew. That's how they attracted the eyeballs. That's why people joined them. But now that they have become these very powerful networks of eyeballs, now that they've grown by holding themselves out as free public forums, they've now switched. And they are using that market power to force particular viewpoints. And that's wrong. And it has to be addressed not only through this executive order, but I think litigation going forward uh, and by further action on Capitol Hill. Thank you, Mr. President. Mr. President, um, do you have any questions for the Attorney General? Yes, actually, I do, uh, Mr. Attorney General. Not only have you been against Section 230, and the President has been against Section 230, the Vice President has said he's against Section 230. Do you believe that the executive order that the President is about to sign in any way repeals or amends Section 230? No, it, it doesn't repeal uh, Section 230. And, and I'm not against uh, Section 230 if it was properly interpret, interpreted and properly applied. But it's been stretched, and I don't know of anyone on Capitol Hill who doesn't agree that it's been stretched beyond its original intention. I think this will help get back to the right balance. Mr. Attorney General, can you give us more details on the legislation both you and the President referred to? What do you want to do in that legislation? Well, we're still reviewing a number of possibilities, and it'd be premature for me to discuss. And one of the things we may do, Bill, is just uh, remove or totally change 230. What I think we can say is we're going to regulate it. It's a provision, and we're going to regulate it. You take a look at this as an example. This was just out. Twitter moments uh, on the Mueller witch hunt. So we won. We were in the right. You see what's happened. It's a total fraud. It was a total fraud. 76 to 1. Okay? 76 to 1. You look at it. You think that's fair? Twitter classifies the term illegal alien as hate speech. Illegal alien. But — and viciously. You look at what China — I mean, just article after article. Uh, here's one. This is our — this is the arbiter. This guy is the arbiter of what's supposed to go on Twitter. He's the one he thought that uh, — he thought — and he used CNN as a guide. CNN, which is fake news. He uses CNN as a guide. His name is Yoel Roth, and he's the one that said that uh, mail-in balloting — you look mail-in. No fraud? No fraud? Really? Why don't you take a look all over the country? There's cases all over the country. If we went to mail-in balloting, our election all over the world would look as a total joke. It would be a total joke. There's such fraud and abuse, and you know about harvesting, where they harvest the ballots, and they go and grab them, and they go to people's houses, and they say, sign here. No, it doesn't work out. Now, an absentee ballot, you can't be there, or you're sick, and you go and you register, and you do all sorts of things to get that ballot, and there's good security measures. But where they send out, like in California, millions and millions of ballots to anybody that's breathing, Anybody in California that's breathing gets a ballot. But, Mr. President, that's not true. So here — here — excuse me. Wait a minute. I'm not finished. So here's your uh, — here's your man, and that's on Twitter. And the amazing thing is he's wrong. And even no, — no matter who it is, they will admit that he's wrong, because there's tremendous controversy on mail-in voting. And I can say this. The Republican Party cannot let it happen. Go ahead. Well, you, you know, Gavin Newsom, uh, Governor Newsom, has, has not sent ballots out to everybody in California. They're only going to registered voters. Right. How many are so, there? How many are so, there? so what your what your tweet yeah. said was 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 not wrong. Okay. Was, that was not correct. It was wrong. Okay. Oh, really? So when he sends out 28 million ballots, and they're in all the mailboxes, and kids go and they raid the mailboxes and they hand them to people that are signing the ballots down the end of the street, which is happening. They grab the ballots. You don't think that happens? There's ballot harvesting where all of us — you know, we had seven elections for Congress, and they were, like, tied, and they lost every one of them because they came and they dropped a whole pile of ballots on the table. But you don't think they, they rip them out of mailboxes? It's all the time you read about it. You can read about it. Take a look. They do worse than that. In some cases, they won't sell them, like, to a Republican community, a conservative community. They don't happen to send the ballots to those communities. And there's no way of checking. No, you have to go and you have to vote. Voting is a great thing. Voting — we would be the laughing stock of the world 
And if you just use common sense, you know that's going to happen. But they raid the mailboxes. They can even print ballots. They get the same paper, the same machine, nothing special. They get the same paper, the same machine. They print ballots. And Bill would have to do a great job to catch him doing it, or your state authorities would have to. But you have tremendous potential, and you have tremendous fraud and abuse, but you have tremendous potential for fraud and abuse. Go ahead. Mr. President, you had said in one of your Twitter, in one of your tweets, that you would consider shutting down Twitter and social media companies. Did you actually mean you would want to shut down an well, American company? Well, I think company? it's going to be, you know, i tell you what, I have so much, it seems, influence over Twitter in the sense of people wanting to see go Twitter because of what I have. I have a vast number. We have a number of platforms, as you know. We have millions and millions of people. Uh, I think this, if Twitter were not honorable, if you're going to have a guy like this be your judge and jury, I think you shut it down, as far as I'm concerned. But I'd have to go through a legal process yeah, to do that. How would you shut down an American I don't know. I'd have to ask the lawyers. I'd have to go through a legal process. If it were legal, if it were able to be legally shut down, I would do it. Uh, I think I'd be hurting it very badly if we didn't use it anymore. I mean, we have other sites we could use, I guess. But we'd have to develop other sites. But — and I'm not just talking about Twitter. Look at Facebook. Look at the tribunal they set up at Facebook. This woman who you remember testifying recently in Congress, her hatred was so incredible toward the Republican Party and me that there is no way you can get a fair trial. So this is not like it's supposed to be. This is not like it's supposed to be. So we're going to see what happens. And you know what? I guess it's going to be challenged in court. What isn't? But I think we'll do very well. Yeah, go ahead. Mr. Oh, Mr. President, um, yeah, go ahead. as to potential uh, litigation, can you discuss the timing of that and what is the remedy that you're going to be seeking? No, I, what I was referring to, there, there is litigation going on all the time on, on Section 230 and its scope. And we would look for appropriate vehicles to weigh in and file statement of interest. So you wouldn't be filing it individually? Not necessarily. Okay, thank you. Mr. President, Mr. President are you worried about the situation on the border between India and China? And ah, India. He loves India so much, he's never asked a question other than an India question, and that's okay. I just got back from India, and right? I just beat COVID. I got back. I know. They like me in India. I think they like me in India certainly more than the media likes me in this country. No, I, and I like Modi. I like your Prime Minister a lot. He's a great gentleman. Great gentleman. Yeah, they have a big uh, conflict going with India and China. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah? They have a big conflict going with India and China. Two countries with 1.4 billion people. Two countries with very powerful uh, militaries. And India is not happy, and probably China is not happy. But I can tell you, I did speak to uh, Prime Minister Modi. He's not, he's not uh, in a good mood about what's going on with China. Mr. President, have you spoken to? Wait, are you finished? No, sir. So what? Yesterday you tweeted about you want to mediate between India and China on this issue. I would do that. You know, I would do that if they if they thought it would help. If I were the uh, uh, mediator or the arbiter, I would do that. So we'll see. Go ahead. Have you spoken to the family of George Floyd yet? No, I haven't, but I feel very, very badly. That's a very shocking sight. Well, Bill and I were talking about it before. It's one of the reasons Bill's here right now, uh, because, as you know, we're very much involved. And I've asked the Attorney General, FBI, and the Attorney General to take a very strong look and to see what went on, because that was a very very bad thing that I saw. I saw it last night, and I didn't like it. Do you think those police officers should be prosecuted? I'm not going to make any comments right now. I can tell you, I think what I saw was not good. Was not good. Very bad. Anybody else? Are you definitively staying in the U.S.-China trade deal? We'll be announcing what we're doing tomorrow with respect to China. And we are not happy with China. We are not happy with what's happened. Uh, all over the world, people are suffering. 186 countries. All over the world, they're suffering. We're not happy. Okay. Thank you very much, everybody. All right, Press, let's go. Thank Come you. on. Thank you. Come on, Thank you, Thank you, Let's go. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. There you have it. This is going to be a historic day. I'm hoping to see a lot of lawsuits unleashed, including my own, and also to help others unleash a massive class action lawsuit together. 
That's stopbitburning.com, which of course means digital book burning, which is what they're doing to us, just like the Nazis did. So moving on through that, we also have an interesting response. Um, of course, China, as you may know by now, is cracking down on Hong Kong. They're sort of invading, taking over, just like they've invaded India. Uh, a lot of people still don't realize that. They've actually taken territory from India on the border. And of course, they're cracking down on what is their cash cow, effectively, what is the only bastion of freedom in China, Hong Kong. Can't handle that democracy anymore, I guess, which, of course, a republic is still better than a democracy, but still, it had some rights, it had some freedoms. And now Taiwan is actually stepping up, of course, to call it out on the international stage and to offer humanitarian aid to some of these people who may have to flee Hong Kong, maybe even for their very lives, so they don't get organ harvested or something. I mean, my gosh, they've been protesting by the hundreds of thousands for years, it seems now, in order to avoid things like organ harvesting because they don't want to have extradition to China because they know what Chinese justice is like. The opposite of just. Similar to ours, just different ways. And President Trump, of course, is changing that. We're about to see a restoration of justice under the law in President Trump's time because he's going to get rid of the double standard. He's actually going to hold these people accountable that tried to sell out our government, like Hillary Clinton. Now, lockdowns, according to this study, destroy twice as many life years, not lives, but life years as the coronavirus. It's a little bit different. I've talked about this in the past. Uh, Mike Maloney at the Gold Silver Channel is the first guy I heard bring it up. But you know, if you if you look at the economic damage done and the productive value done and the you know, the hardship people will have to go through because of that, it takes years off of people's life. And uh, that's very true. You know, the stress kills and then a lot of other factors that sort of are, are accumulative there and synergistic and antagonistic and everything else because a million little things hit you when you're broke that hurt your health, you know, and it's not the same thing when you have, uh, I guess, a middle class lifestyle, you know, people live longer, they have uh, more children, they have uh, better lifestyles and quality of life, which, of course, the middle class is largely a thing of the past now. Of course, uh, continuing on, we have a shock poll, not too shocking to me, but most parents are likely to homeschool in the fall. Many teachers won't return. So, you know, I'm surprised if teachers would not return, but I think people, if given a chance, would love to homeschool their children. Most people would love that. Um, you know, certainly I plan to do so and would love to do so. And that's a big part of, of why I do what I do is to be able to be with my children and my family. And at the same point, um, you get not only that bond, but often a higher quality of education, almost always a higher quality of education. Even if all they do is play video games, they're going to get a higher quality of education because that's all I did is uh, I slept in class during the school day and played video games all night and read books and and just research things that were interesting to me. And, uh, you know, I turned out like this. So I think it's because I avoided the indoctrination. You know, I wasn't too interested in the schooling curriculum. I could finish the test in five minutes, not because I was smart, just because they were so easy and dumbed down. And uh, oftentimes I would just stay up all night playing video games. And, um, you know, that was my youth. And um, I think that's somewhat saved me from some of the indoctrination that my peers went through. Um, and I was always kind of stubborn anyway, so that's just me. Now, um, in this case, it, it's not only possibly going to trend that way, but I think this is a massive for society. More of this familial, um, you know, parent-child bond, more of this education in the home, more of this you know, family, which is the foundation of our society. Uh, and, and the more that's under attack and the more attack, you know, it, 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 the more damage is done to that notion, the worse it's going to be for society. Just, for example, look at what welfare has done to the black community. It was meant to, to help. It was said it was going to help. But the way it was weaponized to create dependency with LBJ's Great Society Project, who you know was a super racist person anyway, it was always used as a weapon. 
And now today, because of the way they've rigged the game, the fatherlessness rate in the black family of these children growing up in the black community are around 70% or higher. And it, before welfareism came about, it was actually lower than that of whites. So, you know, that was back in, in the actual days of racism, and, and they had a very strong family unit. And um, people have lost in a, a lot of touch with that, especially those in city life, if they've migrated to places like California and they've gotten indoctrinated into the leftist culture. And family is the core of society. Um, and that's a very important aspect people overlook. But I cannot wait to see what would happen if we had an explosion in true homeschooling. My gosh. And, and, you know, for those who are curious about it, I think after doing some research on it myself, I'm really interested in kind of a combination of the Ron Paul curriculum, you know, some hands-on experiential lessons, and then, you know, um, maybe add in some things from there based on, on specific uh, educational needs, like maybe business things or something. But Ron Paul curriculum is pretty effective, pretty cost-effective. It includes all sorts of great things, even philosophy. And uh, you can do it from home, and it's largely self-driven. So the kids kind of teach each other and teach uh, themselves. You just kind of do tests. So it's cool. At least that's how I understand it so far. I'm still waiting a few more years before I start that. <laughs> Mine's only two and uh, four months. All right, so Kaylee uh, McEnany uh, got into it with Jim Acosta, of course. I think it was another one of those uh, verbal zings. It was worth a mention, surely, so I'll play it real fast. It's only uh, a moment or two. And on Twitter, shouldn't the president be fact-checked, especially this president who has made so many false and misleading statements that has put, you know, fact-checkers to work across the world? I mean, he's uttered some 18,000 false or misleading statements, according to the Washington Post. Uh, if there's any president out there who should be fact-checked, any political leader out there should be fact-checked, isn't it President Trump? And aren't you trying to silence fact-checking by going after Twitter like this? Look, well, first I would say I disagree with um, all, if not almost all, of those assertions that you're making there, because, look, if you're going to get into the fact-checking business, President there's Trump. no one that should be fact-checked more than the mainstream media that has been continually wrong about a number of things. To give you a list of some of the most egregious ones, um, that ABC News in December of 2017 falsely reported that Flynn would testify that the president directed him during the campaign to make contact with the Russians. That was false. In 2017, your network CNN botched their WikiLeaks email exclusive and were forced to make on-air corrections. CNN's Jim Shudo, another CNN one, uh, dropped a fictional bombshell in 2018, July, claiming that Michael Cohen would tell federal investigators that the president knew of the Trump Tower meeting. And there are many more, not to just put the onus on CNN there. So if anyone needs to be fact-checked, I think it should be the media. There are, there are news outlets that make mistakes from time to time. We own up to those mistakes. We correct those not mistakes. Not always. I have many you guys haven't owned up to. I could get to. We do on a, on a regular basis. The president never owns up to any of his false or misleading statements or outright lies. Uh, you have pledged in this briefing room to never lie to the American people. Are you saying that the president of the United States has never lied to the public before? I'm around the president. His intent is always to give truthful information to the American people. And you mentioned that the media apologizes for their mistruths. I mean, I'm sitting here looking at other headlines in the New York Times saying there aren't enough ventilators to cope with the coronavirus. In fact, we had an excess of ventilators we've shipped around the world. Washington Post, U.S. health system is showing why it's not ready for a coronavirus pandemic. We were ready. There's many more I could get to. I could, on the coronavirus specifically, I could spend the time going through these, but I don't think that's what the American people want to hear. Isn't it a wonder that Jim Acosta is still allowed in the White House at this point? I don't know how they were able to force that on President Trump. It's not like he has to give a press conference anyway. Certainly he doesn't have to invite them there. It's a courtesy and a sort of a tradition, but, you know, they're completely dishonest liars. Now, talking about completely dishonest liars, of course, New York Times actually admitted that their report of the supposed 26-year-old ER doctor who died from coronavirus was completely made up. You remember this? I'm an ER doctor in New York. None of us will ever be the same. <laughs> and, uh, of course, extra dramatic voice, because why not? You know, that's 
we're just in la la land at this point we have two different narratives there's reality and then there's the one that big tech and fake news is colliding uh or not colliding uh collaborating and conspiring in order to try to push on us narrative uh, matrix style and um you know of course that's just not gonna work now we left off on some of these q posts uh let's see we talked about a lot of these already kind of usa and japan comparisons to other places and the way that uh we are still locked down and other countries are starting to get back to normal and, and get over it. And of course here, wow, Cuomo killed my mom. So 4338, Q says expanding on the last drop. Now the last drop brought up Japan, USA versus Japan, sort of the difference. Of course, he brought up the nursing homes, assisted living facilities, um, a large percentage of the U.S. population deaths were from these, uh, over 80% probably. And a uh, quote from this particular article, let that sink in, 42% of all COVID-19 deaths are taking place in facilities that house 0.62% of the U.S. population. Nursing homes. Why did our nursing home population suffer a direct hit in regard to COVID-19 deaths? New York and New Jersey governors orders pushed COVID-19 positive elderly into nursing homes. This wasn't just them either. USNS comfort capacity, remember, because the uh, the hospital ships and the, you know, emergency, you know, in a day or two or maybe three uh, field hospitals that the military built in order to increase capacity from the supposed surge. Well, they never got used. A couple of visits to some of the hospitals, many of them were never even used. They were torn down. The ships sailed on, having been barely uh, utilized. A big waste of taxpayer money, except that it was a brilliant 40 chess move by our president, of course, because this allowed him to cast undeniable evidence that they lied about the numbers. History is not going to be kind to them with this whole war zone hospital fake news right especially now that censorship is going to be stopped president trump's new executive order so this is a big deal and um you know in in retrospect we'll be able to go back and point well if it was such a war zone then why didn't you even use any of the extra capacity that you had if you needed all those ventilators cuomo why were you stockpiling them and then shaming president trump for not giving you enough until you got caught of course then you had plenty right then it was about masks, right? <laughs> so, of course, uh, they talked. He talks about what other Democrat governors mandated similar orders, and um, all of this being common sense. So that's the the context there. And now he says USA versus Japan apply. Forty three percent of one hundred percent nursing home death. CDC conflate thirty four to fifty seven percent. COVID-19 deaths data include pneumonia and influenza. Average pneumonia and influenza deaths per season, it's around like 90,000 or so in a bad year. Why is the data constantly changing past? Now, this is a great question. Why is it constantly changing? So why does the pneumonia uh, statistic suddenly completely look different and the influenza statistic suddenly look different? If you're looking at a graph, suddenly this year, it dropped off way earlier, and they blamed all of those deaths on coronavirus. It doesn't match all the other years, and all the other years look almost like a rainbow. I mean, it's so lined up perfectly. The graphs match each other like there's a yearly cycle that's really predictable. Down to the month. I mean, it's really predictable. So you know when these things peak each year, and um, it, it's very interesting to see that this year so many different ailments dropped off. It's going to be um, uh, really telling when people go back and they look at these things. Of course, they're going to try to rewrite history. So, of course, can you, continuing on, Q says, Sometimes a Wayback Machine can find many Easter eggs. 
CDC data then versus now. Ignorance is a choice. So, of course, he's saying that even if they do cover some of this stuff up, you're able to go back and find it in the archive. All right, continue. I need to get a new chair. It keeps squeaking. Continuing on, this is a powerful picture. We've seen this all over social media already, and others like it. I remember one said, Cuomo killed my grandma. That was a really you know, viral one. Well, imagine. And the tarp idea, frankly, that's a, a, a pretty brilliant way of getting it out there. You can do that at home and then drop it over a bridge. Um, I'm not saying to do it. Clearly, it's probably illegal. I'm just saying it's a brilliant way to get the message out there in a big, cheap way. Now, Michigan's hapless governor continues deadly COVID-19 nursing home policy. Is it really just haplessness or is it murder? Q says, at what point should this be reclassified? as murder. And I've asked this myself many times already. At what point is ignorance, common sense, no longer valid? Excuse. Evil surrounds us. Of course it's evil. We, you know, we can tell from her actions that she is targeting specific groups and being, you know, giving exemptions to specific groups. And like the other governors, playing favorites with her own family and things like that. So Q is just reminding us that these guys are psychopaths playing politics. It's just a board game to them. Our lives are just board games and pieces to them, maybe less than that. Certainly less interesting than a piece in a board game, right? And if you're playing the game, at least you have to find some interest in the pieces. 4340. And then all they have for us is disdain and disgust and, and hatred. Uh, that's what happens with parasites. They, they start to hate the host. All right, Q says a New York Post article here. Nursing homes can't reject coronavirus patients, Cuomo says. And of course, we've already reported on that. We know that. Q is reminding us. And Q says, at what point should this be reclassified as murder? At what point is ignorance? Common sense no longer valid excuse. Evil surrounds us. And I, th if I were to hazard an answer to, th to, to that particular question, of course, he's being Socratic and you have to answer that question yourself. But for me, it sounds as though the best possible answer for at what point should this be reclassified as murder is when people demand it, when enough people demand it. And that's up to us to the onus is on us to get the word out there. So 4341, we also have nj.gov, temporary waivers, hospital discharges and admissions. And that must be the New Jersey version of this, although it's a strange article name. Let's check it out. When it loads, right? Department of Health, New Jersey. Ooh, big fancy seal, lots of corruption. To nursing home and, oh yeah, so this is to the nursing homes. It's about forcing them to take on these sick people. And Q says, again, at what point should this be reclassified as murder? At what point is ignorance, common sense, no longer valid? Excuse. Evil surrounds us. Are they playing stupid or are they murdering people? This is a civil war, folks. It's now a hot civil war. My gosh, I can't believe I'm saying that. But, And I'm not encouraging violence or anything else, but I'm saying that the there's two teams in America and one of them is killing thousands of the other on purpose. And telling them it's good for them. <laughs> Sick. 43-42, so we have perry.house.gov, Perry calls for federal investigation. I think I read something about this. I respectfully request that the HHS Office of Investigations immediately commences an independent investigation into whether the Pennsylvania Department of Health's interim guidance for nursing facilities during COVID-19 
has contributed to an increase in COVID-19 infections and deaths in Pennsylvania nursing homes, assisted living, and elder care. Ah, well, so we're getting requests to do something about it. This is stated back on March, uh, I'm sorry, May 14th. Okay. Q says, at what point should this be reclassified as murder? At what point is ignorance, common sense, no longer valid? Excuse. Evil surrounds us. 4343. Now he brings us to some numbers here, some stats. USA total population, 328 million. That's a lot of people. But COVID-19 deaths, 100,000. Now, statistically speaking, it's not really that many. Now, Japan, total population, and remember, they're an aging population, so they're up in years. They're ripe for this, basically. Trapped on an island with an aging population in densely packed uh, settings. Okay? So take that into consideration. They have 126 million. So a little bit more than a third. And they have 850 deaths with no lockdown. What the heck is going on here? Or was I correct when I've been saying that the real death toll is around 20,000 to 30,000? And that even that seems high compared to this. So of course we're seeing all of the rigged ways in which you can use statistics to lie when the government reports on death tolls, including multiple deaths for multiple tests, you know? I'm sorry, multiple cases of coronavirus for multiple tests. That was one example where if you took two different tests that, that tested for two different things, they, they both would be counted as uh, a COVID test, right? So you could come back positive twice. And, uh, and they, then you're now two people on the metrics. It doesn't make sense. It's a way to, to stack things in your favor, and that's a, a game of politicians. It really makes me wonder how they're able to exert so much influence directly on other people in other positions of government in order to force them to lie or, or, or incentivize them to lie or, or woo them into seducing them into whatever it is that they do, bribe them into whatever it is lying. Because to do this, to, to do what they're doing, you have to have a lot of other people complicit. You have to have a lot of other government officials work with, work with you on that. Now, 4344, nursing home residents account for 81% of, 81 of COVID-19 deaths in Minnesota, but state still allows facilities to admit COVID-19 positive patients. The truth is right in front of you, Q says. Now here he says on 4345, information warfare. Let's check out this tweet. Hydroxychloroquine plus Q, Dem Panic. All right, let's check this video out. Here we go. Hydroxychloroquine is not a controversial drug. I know that your listeners will find that hard to believe because all they've heard about it is controversy. It's not a controversial drug. It's been FDA approved for 65 years. We give it to pregnant women. We give it to breastfeeding women. There are patients who take it for decades. In fact, the typical use of Plaquenil or hydroxychloroquine is for decades. So it's not a controversial drug. And it wasn't controversial to me until the day after the president said it and the press went um, very uh, ballistic over it. I, I really can't understand it to this day. The experts are wrong. Hydroxychloroquine, when used early and combined with zinc, is an effective treatment, and that's why thousands and thousands of physicians around the country and around the world are using it and taking it themselves. I don't love to talk about hydroxychloroquine so much because it's become such a political hot potato. But one of the reasons, or maybe the main reason I started down this path was the resistance I got when I prescribed hydroxychloroquine. Now, for me as a doctor, I'm there really only for the patient. It's not a two-way street. I am there for the patient. So when I had to prescribe hydroxychloroquine to a couple of patients, I did it. And the next day, I got tremendous pushback. I was stunned. What's really disturbing about this, we got a letter. Every California physician got a letter from the California State Medical Board 
essentially threatening us if we prescribe this medicine. It's very carefully worded. I'm happy to send you an email copy. But it says we have to be cautious about prescribing this. It could be construed as unprofessional conduct. That's enough to stop a doctor from being honest and truthful with the patient about what they need. This is all media driven. If you watch the news, you get scared. If you live a normal life, you are not scared. The task of the media and the Democratic Party is to have government control over your life. They don't deny it. They don't deny it. This is a freedom issue. Don't take the media and government control and, and mandates. Understand the Constitution. Like, start there. Understand the Constitution. Understand how the... Information warfare indeed. That's absolutely true. Of course, hydroxychloroquine, the cocktail with Z-Pak, azithromycin, zinc, that is the true power. Um, that is the true um, wonder drug. And I'm not a big fan of any kind of pharmaceutical. I don't even take aspirin, to be honest. I'm sort of an all-natural, holistic type. But, um, you know, in this case, it certainly seems to be worth the risk if you fear that you have coronavirus or if you have it uh, or if you've been exposed to it and you feel like you could potentially be at a heightened risk or something maybe you have comorbidity factors or you're elderly so this is definitely hope for those people who are afraid and it's actually really almost an ultimate hope because it's so safe and yet also so low cost i mean it, you can spend more on your lunch than you might spend on this entire treatment so um you know, it's, it's very affordable and it's accessible to all. So why fear? Why fear at all? And of course, that's the whole point. Now, 4346, President, uh, well, Q. It's just regular Q, not Q+. So President Trump's new executive order. For some reason, I was reading that as Q+, because Trump is in this sentence. Um, so he's saying, at Jack, you were warned. And of course... Sure, he was warned numerous times by Q and by President Trump and others. But we know he's an interesting guy. You know, I've shown the images before of his past tweets where he talked about reading the satanic verses and eating the good pasta, which is, of course, quite possibly a reference to eating not pasta, but engaging in child sex because that's what pasta means with some of the high-level pedophiles. It's a symbolism in child trafficking culture for a small girl. Just like hot dogs are symbolism for little boys. So continuing on, um, you know, this is the hammer, folks. This is President Trump signing the executive order. This is the end of censorship, either today or very soon. And 4347, we have Q asking coincidence or foreknowledge. And this is in regard to Joe Biden's status. Let's check that out. He says, we are not prepared for a pandemic. Trump has rolled back progress President Obama and I made to strengthen global health security. We need leadership that builds public trust, focuses on real threats, and mobilizes the world to stop outbreaks before they reach our shores. And this is in response to the Washington Post saying, none of these 195 countries, the US included, is fully prepared for a pandemic. Report says, wow, more fear, just more fear. That's all that really is, is just bad news and, and fear mongering. We were more than prepared for that. Well, we weren't at first, as President Trump said, we were left depleted, but quickly we became more than prepared for this. So much so that now we're helping out all the other countries. So, you know, we're, we're giving away ventilators because there's too damn many of them. So Q asks, coincidence or foreknowledge? Now, thank you, my friends. I really do appreciate everyone who supports this channel and makes it possible. We have struggled through so much. I don't want to go through it all again, even trying to recap even a little bit of some of the sacrifices that we've made and some of the hardships we've gone through at the Nemos News Network to try to get the truth out over the last three years. 
under absolute censorship assault, under an absolute blackout. Even at one point, the most extreme example um, that most anyone can point to that I know of, we were actually frozen solid in subscribers for over a year, over 14 months. So, you know, censorship is something that we're certainly not new to, but having what President Trump just did, I think that we're about to see the end of it. I think we're about to have a even playing ground. And I think that we're about to see what happens to the fake news when they can no longer hide behind censorship and what happens to, you know, big tech when they, as I said at the beginning, can no longer hide behind their shield. It is already crumbling. These companies' stocks are going to suffer in the marketplace because they know what's coming. People like me and hundreds, if not thousands, maybe tens of thousands of people are about to unleash massive lawsuits as soon as we're able. So, of course, I already reached out to Todd McMurtry and others and uh, requested, hey, what's the update? How does this change the game? What can we do now? What are the new options available to us? And I'll let you guys know what I figure out as soon as I can. If you want to continue to support like this, uh, work like this, if you want to continue to support you know, best-selling books about the truth in the face of censorship, more relevant now than ever before, which you can order at thebookofqanon.com slash Nemo, so you can pick up our book. If you want to support class action lawsuits and efforts to, you know, build grassroots, resi grassroots resistance against evil, my tongue is tied today. And if you want to continue to support, you know, breaking news like this, where we get the truth out there, despite the censorship, despite the attacks and the gang stalking and the harassment and everything else that happens, like being bomb flagged when I try to go speak at events through the TSA and all these other things multiple times now, and uh, missing your plane, all these other things that you have to do, uh, that fake news, they don't really have to go through that. So we're about to see a much more even playing ground. So please support our sponsors, you know, like redpillliving.com slash Nemos. You can uh, support our sponsors like shopmagazon.com slash Nemos which is the Patriot Marketplace where you can actually shop with uh, over 100 different sellers. And uh, all of them are Patriots who support freedom of speech and support channels like this. So we're growing very quickly. I'm very excited to be part of that as well. And uh, for having some cool sponsors like that to support this channel. All right, folks, we'll see you on the next one. Dustin Nemos out.